Hello and welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you listening. Our church is located at 531 West Main Street in Cherokee, Iowa. And if you want to find out more about us, you can find us on our website at www.cherokeemethodist.com. We have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 1010 if you decide you want to attend in person. Now today we are concluding our look at the subject of death and the afterlife from a Christian perspective. We've looked so far at why we fear death, and we focused on the fear of judgment or the sting of death. Then we looked at the evolution of thought on what Jews and Christians have believed about what happens after we die. And then after that we looked at how we grieve the loss of a loved one. Now today we're going to conclude our focus on death by actually not paying much attention to it. You know, so often death and the afterlife is the main focus, and we become so focused on heaven and just waiting to escape the world and enter into eternal retirement. We become so focused on heaven that we don't care about what happens here and now in the world. This kind of escapist theology that says, I'm just passing through, I'm just waiting to get to my eternal home, can lead, it doesn't necessarily, but it can lead to an uncaring attitude towards the state of the world whether it be environmental health or the plight of people in other countries or war or what have you. But the reality is, Christians are not called just to sit around and wait for heaven. We are called to prepare for it. Besides, the Bible doesn't teach that at the end of the age we're all going to live in heaven for eternity anyway. The Bible teaches that in the end, Jesus will return and create a new heaven and new earth, and that we will live in God's kingdom in real bodies on a real earth, and everything will be restored, so we might as well get used to taking care of it now. And one of the primary ways we we prepare for the afterlife is to focus on life here and now, doing what Jesus has called us to do. The scene in Matthew 25 is a powerful one. And that's one of our scripture readings, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40. It's the parable of the sheep and the goats that Jesus told. According to the parable, at the end of the age, everyone is resurrected. Some enter God's kingdom and some don't. And what is the criteria? Well, is it based on a commitment someone made at the altar one day? Does Jesus say, come unto me for 34 years ago, you committed your life to Christ? No. Well, perhaps it's based on church attendance. Come unto me, for you attended worship every Christmas and Easter, or for every week for many years. No? Well, what is the criteria then? Did you serve? Did you clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the sick and the imprisoned, etc., etc.? Did you follow Jesus' example instead of just saying you would at the altar? Did you have follow-through? Did your actions match your lofty words and prayers? I'm not saying that theology doesn't matter, but in Matthew 25, the interesting thing is Jesus mentions nothing about what you believe. You know, so often we get caught up and overly focused on theology, and we debate all kinds of theological subjects, and then when we disagree, we get nasty and we divide. We get so focused on that, we forget about serving others, and guess what? The world takes notice. And many people today refuse to be involved in an institutional church because of that very reason. So you see, works matter, or what we do matters. 
and I would even go so far as to say it's connected to our salvation. Now, I know that seems wrong to say, right? Where most, let's see, ever since the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, it was all built around the idea of salvation by faith alone, because at the time it was felt that the Roman Catholic Church focused too much on works. But I think that sometimes the pendulum has swung too far the other way. Salvation is by grace through faith, but not faith alone. You can't say, well, I went forward at the altar, so now I'm saved. No, you aren't. Not necessarily, that is. You could be. But as James puts it so eloquently, faith without works is dead. In other words, it's useless. No wonder Martin Luther, the beginner of the Protestant Reformation, called James an epistle of straw. He hated it. (laughs) But if you've committed your life to Jesus, then what's important to Jesus must be important to you. And he set the example of servanthood when he washed his disciples' feet. So God forgives our sins by grace. We accept it by faith, and we live it out through our commitment, through our actions. It's all related. So it's good to think about the afterlife and heaven and the new age, but may we never become so preoccupied with it that we forget to serve others. Now, Psalm 90 is another scripture reading for this sermon, and it's a good reminder to us to keep things in perspective. Time is finite. It's limited. And knowing that we will die should influence how we live. Numbering our days, as the psalm puts it, may sound morbid, but it's morbid, but it's a wise thing to do. Basically, it just means that you realize you're going to die. You know, it's a sobering thought to think that the world is, has been getting along just fine without us for millions of years. And assuming Jesus doesn't return for a while, the world will get along just fine without us for countless years after we're all gone. Not that we won't be missed, but the world will still go on. And so often we live our lives as though we have plenty of time. And we always assume we'll have more time, right? We always mentally assign the date of our death to be far off in the distance, whether we're young or whether we're getting older. And when we feel like we have an unlimited supply of something, we tend to waste it. We tend to spend it trivially. But when we realize that time is a finite commodity that we cannot get back, we use it more wisely. That's why it's good every now and then to take a time audit to see what it is that you are doing in your schedule that's worthy of your time and what you're doing that is a waste of time. What are you doing that has eternal value? And what are you doing that will not matter in the grand scheme of things? Now, I know that there are some things we have to do, like your job you might not feel like has eternal value, but you know what? Your job provides the money to pay the bills to take care of your family, and your family does have eternal value, so... Your work is more important than maybe it seems. Now, but what are you doing in your schedule of eternal value? And keep in mind, there are more good things to do than there is time to do them, so we have to prioritize. It's good to be able to be say yes to the right things and say no to the wrong things, and sometimes the wrong things may still be good things, but you can only do so much. See, numbering our days gives us perspective. It helps us to see time as a gift. Sheryl Sandberg was the chief operating officer at Facebook, and she's the founder of LeanIn.org. 
And a few years back, she and her husband Dave went on a two-week vacation. But on that vacation, Dave collapsed on the gym floor from heart failure and died. And he was only 47. In a radio interview, she was asked questions about how she was coping and what she was learning. She talked about focusing on gratitude to help her through her grief, which sounds counterintuitive, right? But we all do it at times. We say things like, well, at least it was quick. At least he isn't suffering. For her, someone pointed out that at least his heart didn't fail when he was driving their children somewhere. Her interview was really interesting, but one thing that struck me was the idea that growing old is a privilege that we shouldn't assume we're all going to do. She says this, she says, I feel that the great irony of going through at least the worst thing to date in my life and coming out more grateful is that it never occurred to me that Dave wouldn't grow old. My cousin Laura turned 50 on Valentine's Day and I called her and I said this, I said, Laura, I'm calling to say happy birthday, but I'm also calling because in case you woke up this morning with that, oh my God, I'm 50 thing, this is the year that Dave won't turn 50. And there's only two choices. Turns out we either grow old or we don't. And I'm celebrating that you're 50 today. How do we live knowing how every single day is precious and life is short? I've said this before, but growing old isn't for wimps. It's hard work. You spend more days at the doctor dealing with pain and limitations than many of you who are older probably ever imagined. And then on the other hand, there are some who escape it and they grow old and they have a good long life and they're always pretty healthy. You never know exactly what life is going to bring you. Most of us would say we'd like to avoid the perils of old age, but most of us would also say we don't want to die young either. And if every day is a gift, then that means every birthday is a gift too. Because it means you get to live another day. It's a gift that some people will not get to experience because... They didn't live as long as you do, or as long as you are. So may we number our days, so that we may keep the time we have in this life in perspective. May we see time for what it is, a gift. And may we not remain so focused on ourselves, or on death, or heaven, and the age to come, that we forget to live life and serve others in the name of Christ. May we number our days, so that our very awareness of our own eventual death may actually inspire us to live. Amen. God bless and have a great week.